from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. And Chad. I'm Chris. And Josh. And we are back again to talk all things media. Before we get started, uh, we definitely want to invite you guys to give us some feedback. We'd love to add a listener feedback section back into the podcast. So if you hear anything on the show that you want to talk more about, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss, uh, drop us a comment at screenerspodcast.com or send us an email at screenerscast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Screeners Podcast. So with that said, let's jump right into the show. All right. Our first segment this episode, as usual, is Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts is our lightning round. We do a few current topics in media, and everyone has 60 seconds to answer. If we go over, you will hear this sound. All right. As most people who know anything about video games or, you know, catch a TV ad every now and then have heard, Titanfall came out on Tuesday. What? Uh, I guess Monday night at midnight, if you want to be specific. Yep. Uh, It's made by a new development company that's headed up by the creative people behind Call of Duty. It's the most anticipated game for the Xbox One so far. I've read several articles about it, and so far the consensus seems to be that it's going to drive sales of the One, which the Xbox One hasn't had great sales so far but i haven't played titanfall yet i know at least chad and chris have so my question to everyone is this why should i buy it now i never played first person shooters much before the first xbox and xbox live came along but since then i've played a lot of them and as i've gotten older video games in general you know aside from a good rpg every couple years that i get immersed in on my own video games have morphed from something I do for the love of the medium and the love of gaming to something I do mostly to spend time with friends who are, you know, geographically close and some not so close. Now, it's a sad comment on male friendships. This is how we do things, but we'll talk about that more later, maybe. My problem with first-person shooters, um, online first-person shooters and all of them, is that they are all the same. They're the same game. Halo has lasers, Call of Duty has M16s, and now they have about 1,500 other guns. I can't keep up with them all. Fundamentally, though, there's no substance to them, no differentiator. So I want you guys to convince me that this one is different without resorting to an ultimatum about how if I don't buy it, we can't be friends anymore because you won't play Call of Duty even though you've only had it a couple months. True. Chris, Uh, go. That was going to actually be my first thing is to say, you know what, you need to get it so that we can play it together. But for me, I feel like it is the best of those two things put together, Halo and Call of Duty. Um, But then also there's this whole amazing mechanic with the parkour running and jumping on walls and then being able to call down a titan from the heavens and then it suddenly turns into a completely different game. For me, this is the best first-person multiplayer game I have ever played. It feels like the culmination of the last 10 years since Halo 1 when we all got together and played in our living rooms together. So for me, I just think it's a fantastically new take on an old trope thrown in all kinds of great new ideas and mechanics. And I think it's a blast. I think you really love it, Josh. Honestly, I think you'd have a a lot of fun. No doubt. Hello? (laughs) <laughs> you ended with you had a, lot of, a lot of fun so he shut down when he hears that word. yeah I, I don't know how to respond to the charge of fun um, you love it because mostly the the game the new game mechanic the new yeah, movement I think, system i mean it surprised me it just when i was watching it on like the game play footage and stuff it seemed so confusing like the parkour running on on walls, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle that. Even watching just videos of it, it just seems so, I don't know, hard to grasp how that's gonna work. But it feels amazing. It, once you, once you get a hold of it, you're like, it feels like Call of Duty's shooting mechanics, which I think are the best. But then it has the sci-fi elements of of Halo and that whole new mechanic of the uh, Titans. It's just, it, it's unlike anything else. It's not, it's not the same shooter over again. I think it's, it's really, it's great. Okay. All right, let's switch gears a bit and go to Melody. Melody, have you 
Have you played Titanfall? I sadly have not played it, so I think I allowed Chris to take a little bit of my time here since a I really can't bit. comment. <laughs> hey, you know, you're supposed <laughs> but, to stop me, but... You know. But, well, I was letting you take my time. Right. Um, but I, I will just say that, Josh, I do think that you need some fun and happiness in your life. So if Chris <laughs> says that it will bring you fun and happiness, then you should get it. There if you Chris go. says that it will bring me fun and happiness, I think I can pretty much bet that it Yeah, I think won't. we need to have a discussion oh, of the definition gosh. of fun and happiness. Oh. Harsh we have di- no it's not harsh we have different opinions well, on this is things true. true story <laughs> i think we have all had fun though playing halo the last several years together let's let's be we honest. have i've had fun playing halo for the last 10 years and that is yeah. all i've played for the last 10 years because right, right. every game is the same well chad <laughs> Well, first of all, I'm going to disagree with your premise that playing a video game because you're geographically separated from your friends isn't a good enough reason to play. Because what more does the world need than friendship, Josh? Friendship. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's a th- also will agree with Chris and disagree with the premise that they're all the same. I think there are drastically different experiences that happen when I'm playing Halo versus when I play Call of Duty. I rather enjoy Halo probably even a little more than Call of Duty. I do think the Call of Duty games and certainly the releases that just are iterative don't really bring much new to the table. But this game is something different in, yes. in the fact that there's just so much more that you can do. And the foundation that you already have as a gamer playing Halo and Call of Duty really makes it very quick to kind of understand the world that you're in and understand the mechanics, even though there's a different uh, play style. And it's wonderful. I mean, I clicked right in and after about, you know, after the tutorial, which I thought was neat, you've got maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and you really, really get great with the soldier and the mech. And it's just a a ton of fun. While we were playing, the first night we played together, there were lots of us that were playing from different places. And that was the main thing everybody kept saying. It's just so much fun. It really, really is. And I haven't said that about a Call of Duty game or a Halo game in a long, long time. With those games, it's kind of like, well, here we go, more of the same. But this yeah. is a new thing that feels more of the same. And it's buttery smooth. The graphics are great. It's uh, They somewhat fixed the party system so you can get into a game pretty quickly. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Most no, of the I, time. Um, I haven't had any problems like we had previous to the update. So for me, it's just... Where it's, I have to make myself play Call of Duty because my friends are going to play and I want to hang out with my friends online. With this game, I find myself playing it by myself because it's just so much fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's addictive. Like, I feel like you finish one and you're like, oh, well, I can do another one. I can do another one. With Call of Duty, I can only play like, you know, an hour, hour and a half, and I'm like, I'm done. With Titanfall, I feel like I could play hours and hours and still be having fun. You, you, you just got to try it. I mean, honestly, Josh, freaking get the game and let's play. You, you will, you'll love it. There is nothing not to like about Titanfall. Yeah, there really tra- isn't. Go trade that is Call of a- Duty game in. That's is true. There a buzzer, is there a buzzer anywhere yes. around here that I can? There is not a buzzer. No well, buzzer for you. Sad. <laughs> you guys have echoed what I've what I've heard already in articles. It's not the same thing. They've made something yeah. new. They have they've made the next generation of first person shooters. It's an evolution in the genre. And okay, I mean, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to take that at face value and believe it since everyone has said it. And all of that is irrelevant. All that matters is friendship. That's All that right. matters wah, wah. is that I won't have friends wah, if I don't wah, wah. play the game. There is enough different here. There's, a, <laughs> there's enough different in Titanfall to make it worth the $60 that you'll spend on it. Many of you will remember back from episode 16 that we interviewed new author R.G. Triplett and talked with Melody about the release of their upcoming book, The Epic of Haven. And so on March 7th of this year, after a very successful Kickstarter campaign, they released to uh, Amazon and the world, and it went straight to number six overall on Amazon, number one in fantasy, number one in fantasy and sci-fi, tens of thousands of downloads. So we thought it'd be very interesting to talk with Melody about the whole process of how you go from an idea all the way through self-publishing and then releasing to Amazon and now the world and where they are in that process and how they were able to achieve such remarkable results. So Melody, the floor is yours. Tell us a little bit about where you guys are. Update us on the next step. Let us know what's happening. All right. Well, you make it sound maybe a little bit better than it was, um, but it, it is awesome and we're super excited about about what we've been able to accomplish. And um, it was f- for free downloads. So Amazon has basically two different top 100 list they have their top 100 paid and their top 100 free and um in learning like this whole industry there is a there's there literally is a whole industry on amazon of of this ebook marketing thing and their new model of 
offering books for free for a short period of time to help authors that are self-published, kind of the do-it-yourself thing, to help them get get noticed and get readers and fans so that as they continue to write, hopefully people uh, like it and buy it. So it, it's been definitely a big learning curve to figure out that whole industry because literally even even within the the free model thing there are thousands of books every day that are free on Amazon i could i could explain like the whole the whole process to you but that would probably take too long but if you sign up for their their model you get 5 days in any 90 day period where you can offer your book for free so all of these authors there are thousands of them offering their books for free and so the goal, obviously, is to make it into the Amazon top 100, because once you make it into the top 100, then people just find you randomly, like because they're looking for free books. So that was our goal when we started out, just to make it into the top 100. I spent many, many a night uh, perusing the internets for marketing strategies and techniques and websites and stuff to get the word out that we were going to be having this book for free. Fortunately, we did a really, really good job with it. Um, we ended up having over 23,000 downloads in a matter of a couple days from several, several different markets, not only the U.S. market, but over 21,000 of them were um, the U.S. market. So that's really, really awesome. Once we once we had probably around 10,000, um, we had made it into the top the top 10 on Amazon. And our goal was the top 100. So to make it into the top 10 was amazing. And then from there, it just like kept spiraling because people just come across it and see it. So the goal, obviously, once you get that many downloads, then Amazon will begin to recommend the book to other people. You know how when you're on Amazon and they say people who liked this also like this or people who bought this also bought this, your book will start showing up in those things. And so we've already seen a good amount of sales from Amazon after the book has gone back to full price just from people that we don't know that we wouldn't have reached another way um, that we were able to have a really successful campaign with this. So it's a really cool industry and I'm I, like we're still learning it and we have some even better ideas for next time. It's basically that's basically how it worked and we're super excited. RG Triplet, The Great Darkening, epicofhaven.com. You should check it out. Well, in preparation for this discussion, Melody sent out a couple of articles that I guess she had kind of referred to in the marketing process of getting all this uh, organized with the, the free deal on Kindle and all the different campaigns surrounding it. And I got to say, I read the first article and it was pretty detailed, but then I got to the second article and it was like five times as long. Dude, and, no kidding. <laughs> it's... <laughs> And if it's, it's too long for Ziggler to read it, it's yeah, too long. Man, but actually, say, wow. It's too long. It's good that there are people like this who write this stuff out for everyone and who are this focused on what they do because if the world were full of people like me, nothing would ever get sold. <laughs> I feel about marketing strategy the way a lot of non-technical people and some technical people I talk to feel about programming. It's exhausting, mind-numbing tedium. That were I forced to do it on a regular basis, I would end up at the bottom of a body of water somewhere. So, hooray for diversity, marketing to the marketers, and yeah, good job for you guys getting getting there. Thanks. It's great to hear about. It was a lot of work, a lot of tedious work. And if you could see my like my what would you call it my strategy document that I have, it's like. <laughs> Combine those two articles times about 20 more is yeah. pages and pages and pages of stuff. But I, I do have to say I did find a couple um, a couple industry secrets along the way, I think, that um, because literally like the, the articles that I was even reading were like how I got 17,000 downloads, how I got 13,000 downloads. So to get 23,000 downloads is like super not normal. Like that's super awesome. Yeah. And I do have to say that I, I did find a couple secrets that I w I'm not going to share because... Well, I don't want everyone getting all the downloads, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It's it was zero sum game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Melody, for uh, the awesome update, and uh, we'll definitely have you guys back. And since those first two jump cuts were twice as long as they normally are, let's go to the main event. Welcome to the main event. It's not every day that HBO comes out with a brand new series and what started off with very little fanfare became a true cultural phenomenon and today we're going to be talking about the first full season of HBO's True Detective. There's a feeling, you might notice it sometime, this feeling like life has slipped through your fingers. You can roll along for a long time. 
think your life's just a nightmare you keep waking up into. You ever see something like this? No, sir. Not like a lot of dreams. There's a monster at the end of it. Yesterday, at approximately 6 a.m., Billings came across a female body. This is his vision. This is gonna happen again. We got a rabid dog out there somewhere, and we gotta put him down. Without a family, it'd be a bad thing. I'm what's called a pessimist. It means I'm bad at parties. You ain't great outside of parties either. Families give you rules, boundaries. You need to get out of our lives, Marty. I can see your soul at the edges of your eyes. You got a demon, little man. Just what is it you think we found? Something deep and dark, detectives. Something deep and dark. Yeah. All right, guys, I want to have a brief discussion about the or overall feelings on the series as a whole and then dive straight into spoilers because I think the moment you see the first five or ten minutes of the show, um, you're going to kind of begin to be entangled with, with spoilers and stuff. So let's talk about how we like the show, what we thought, and then we'll dive straight into our impressions of the series overall and spoilers. So, Melody, what did you think of True Detective? Well, uh, it's been a while since I watched like a whole season of television. Uh, as you guys know from our, our best of episode, I don't watch much TV anymore. So it was it was good to just sit down and, and you know, go through this show in the, in the matter of a week or two. Um, OK, I liked it a lot. I don't think I'm on the bandwagon of complete being in love with it like some people are I know but I, I liked it a lot I think maybe I, I was expecting for it to be something truly different and I don't really feel like it was I feel like it was in the sense of the acting and the cinematography and the directing I think those were outstanding for sure and I think the, the character development was definitely way more than you usually get in a, in a TV show, um, especially one that's only eight episodes long. But as far as like the, like the plot or like the, the payoff or, or that sort of thing, I, maybe I was just expecting it to be something other than, uh, cops investigating a crime and it, you know, them, whatever, I'm not going to give any, any spoilers, but, um, Well, no, I said whatever. Okay. Um, I thought I was expecting it to be something more maybe than it was. So it was, I enjoyed it. Uh, I would probably recommend it, but I'm not like jumping out of my chair screaming about how it's the best show ever. Gotcha. All right, Josh, what did you think of the first season of True Detective? First of all, did you actually watch it? I I don't like you. (laughs) It's a fair question, sir. I mean, it's totally fair question. Well, yes, to to be fair, it is fair. Okay. (laughs) No, this show actually, I mean, it might have been the pressure from the other three screeners, but this show actually made me pony up for an HBO subscription. So I now, I felt like such an adult. I went, I signed up. I was like, give me HBO. And they gave it to me and it it was great. (laughs) Was it, was it worth your $10 subscription (laughs) to HBO, Josh? Well, I cannot think of another show in recent memory that has been quite this tailor-made for me to discuss. No <laughs> kidding. No yep. kidding. Josh. Mostly because I, I get that feeling all the time. I constantly feel that I am mainlining the ultimate truth of the universe. Yep. And so this because is... you are You are rust. Skull, no you doubt. are rust. True Detective is one of those shows with... less with, optimism. We'll get into that. Come on now. Uh, yeah, like you said, Chris, it, it's got... The story arc is so well-crafted that I don't feel like we can really discuss it yeah. at all without giving something away. Yeah. So here's what little I can say. I am always thrilled with any show that doesn't shy away from having a philosophical vocabulary and also focuses on so many different things at once and does them all relatively well. Mm. I mean, our potential discussion points are all over the map for this one. Psychology, philosophy, religion, subcultural norms for friendships, a story setting as a character in that story, 
uh, yep. the list kind of goes on. The actual plot. That, uh, that's not, plot, you yeah, mentioned you that. Know. You know plot. what I mean? Like, that's what you Melody know. was saying, though. I mean, like, that is even kind of far down the list when you think right. about right. the show. For sure. Exactly. So, somewhat secondary. Yeah. Bottom line about True Detective, if you get the chance, watch the show and watch it all the way through the end. All right. Nice. That's kind of glowing praise. Yeah, for Josh. that's just that glowing. <clears throat> Not as good as it gets, folks. Chad, what did you think of True Detective, man? I agree with the basic sentiment that this is unbelievably well done. It is gorgeous. The cinematography, from a you know just a purely technical standpoint, it's a it's a it's a wonder. It's I was sitting there thinking the fact that I get to even see this is just wonderful. Uh, it's a quali- can I stop you? Sure. Can I stop you right there? I'm sorry. We're talking about cinematography and things you've not really seen. How about episode four? There's a shot yeah, in episode four there's a one that take. I feel like we should talk about here. Sure. Yeah, there's a there's like a six-minute one take at the end of that episode, and we can't talk about what it is specifically, right. but it is thrilling. It's exhilarating from just a pure filmmaking standpoint. I kept waiting for the cut, waiting for the cut, and it never came, and it was great. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was, I, I loved it. But overall, I, I'm... I'm kind of right down the middle. I think that this this is a genre series that tried to not be a genre series. Uh, certainly as the arc went a little bit further on, the the plot of what they were investigating became the subplot. There's no doubt about that. This is really more about the relationship and about the characters and like Josh said, about whatever you want it to be that they that they discussed, but I don't think that automatically lets it off the hook for not nece- for not paying off certain tropes within the genre now that doesn't mean everything has to be tied up that doesn't mean you have to answer all the questions but there's some things that i think left me feeling just a little bit less positive than i would have where Mm -hmm. if you would have asked me at the end of episode a lot of people mentioned chris episode four for them yeah for me it was episode five at the end of episode five I was like, yep. this may be my favorite thing ever. Yeah. This, yep. I mean, this yep. is so wonderful. But just like in any screenwriting class, anything you ever tell you, you got to have a strong third act. And while it is strong, it, it for me, it was a, a little bit down from the initial two thirds. And so it didn't culminate for me as good as it could have. But overall, uh, man, is this a wonderful show. I mean, it gotcha. is wonderful. The acting is marvelous. And everybody mm-hmm. should see it. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm almost starting, I feel like, with Josh. Like for me, I thought this series was amazing. Um, and it, they were bold enough, I guess, because HBO, you know, that they could have a five, six, seven minute just discussion on philosophy on why we're here on this planet and talk about those kind of things. And it still and and and, and the the relationship between um, Rust and um, I'm sorry, what was the other guy's name? I can't remember. Marty. Marty. Thank you. Rust and Marty. Th- their relationship is the core of true detective it really like you said the plot is kind of not nearly as important although i still found it fascinating and kind of i mean really thrilling and fun and just crazy it was it was it was a really rich you know uh crime that they were investigating but um for me their relationship is what was absolutely paramount and for me I, i agree with you chad that the first five episodes built up to something amazing and at the fifth at the end of that fifth episode is that when he's holding something there in, in a dark place is that you know what i'm talking about we i think that's a last shot talk about that but i know i, I know but <laughs> don't worry i saw it and i still have no idea what he's saying okay but i'm, I'm just saying like the, the, there is that shot and i'm just i was like oh man this is this may be the greatest thing ever and i agree that it did not go to the full payoff but the last scene in this series, I think, did for me. Like it redeemed itself in my actually the last line um, in the entire mm-hmm. series yeah. for me I redeemed agree. it. I like, and that. I was like, yeah. it just it, it it was actually a character gen, genuinely taking a journey, and I, sure, I and, loved it. And I, unexpected I, I, it was journey, amazing, unexpected journey. I agree, but at the same time, when everything is so original. And so we've seen something that we haven't seen before in a way we haven't necessarily seen it before, regardless of the plot, which is pretty standard for it then to not continue that thread throughout the end to me was just a minor disappointment. And this is minor. This is minor. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. right. I We we should go to, we should stop dancing around. Yeah. Yeah, Let's let's stop. Let's stop. Because I have something to say about that. So already spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it wouldn't have ever occurred to a hawk to hide. 
However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. We could go anywhere. I mean, I would, I would start with what I already mentioned because it never gets enough play in TV, and that's philosophy. Yes. And if I have one, one complaint about the show, I mean, I don't know. I guess I can see everyone's point about the, the plot payoff, and I'm, I'm on the fence as to whether I agree with, with that assessment or not. But if I have one complaint for me about the show, it's that they cast Cole as too alien and alienating of a character hmm. to the point that no one else around him was prepared mentally or anything else in any other way to engage his viewpoints. So he never gets to expand on them because he always gets shut down by Marty saying, what scented meat? <laughs> and, that's what makes it awesome. No, sorry. No, that was funny. I'm that sorry. That is the kind of fun. person that would be like, I'm, I'm sorry, Josh, but that is exactly no, the right. No, you're right. You're right. But in, in this world, would Cole be there? I mean, it's almost as if the writer, Nick Pizzolatto, it's like he had a bet with someone about how many Nietzsche quotes he could fit into a TV series. Well, that and he then he also was like the reincarnation of Nietzsche. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But and, I, but but he does redeem. I mean, he gets redeemed at the end, though, which is pretty crazy. Right. I mean, that's I, I would does, disagree but, that he was redeemed, but that's well, he was well, partially he redeemed. What do you mean? He, he literally was, should have died and he lived. What are you talking about? And then at the, the, the last thing he says is that you're looking at it wrong. The sky thing. Sure. Once right, right, dark, right. Now so, you, ask, you ask me the light's winning. What? That's sure. crazy. And so I would say that he wasn't redeemed or converted at all. I think he was, what? I think he was delivered from the experience of what he went through and that at some point he may have some sort of healing or whatever you want to call it. But I don't think that he had this thing and then all of a sudden he's healed happy-go-lucky I think what I think what true detective is trying to tell you in that point is that everything's a everything's a story everything's an experience it's like what is your what do you tell yourself who you are you know is it a religion is it an investigation is it a nihilistic worldview it's all the stories that you tell yourself and that theme I think is carried out throughout the series when they're at the at the revival tent and they're at all this stuff and I think he talks about the story looking up at the stars and all that stuff so for me I think he just had an experience that opens him up to the possibility of something but I don't think he made that journey at the end at all I think that's open I took it to be open when you guys like I just don't even under I don't even understand why he would make that statement that the light is winning like when he was first talking about it and made it sound like he wanted to like stay with his daughter in that place of love and whatever like that place he said he tried to yeah but then then he like had to come back so why is he suddenly like not negative why is the light suddenly winning like I'm all for the light winning like I resonate with that I think it's great I'm just not sure why that character does I really don't get it because of what he just went through the last 17 years he had one singular evil that he was trying to track down and stop that he really didn't stop like that's the whole like there's this whole theme of like this government corruption that is never addressed at all at the end of the show and maybe that's for future seasons Uh well and I don't think I don't think that was just his purpose either Josh I, I mean Chris I'm sorry I still I think he when, what he said to Marty, which was, you know, I've come back to tie this thing off because early on he said, I just don't have the, the constitution for suicide. To me, I took it like he was going to come up, finish this and then finally finish the job. And I right. think, I think, so I don't, you know, he didn't want, and, and, and even up to that point though, what, what I'm saying is, is that he went through this journey and he did not know why he did not die. Like he felt as if he was being told he was going to die at that moment, right after he took out the, the bad guy. What was his name? I can't Childers. remember. Thank you. It's, and, and he should have, he should have died. He thought he, he had died. He saw, had that vision. He was, you know, moving on. It was the stars, all, all the completion of everything. And then 
I think even as us as the audience, were you not surprised he not did not die there? Like when yes. you when you saw him yeah, sitting yeah. in in the hospital, you're well, like, wait a minute. I was not surprised, oh, but I, I, I had I a was. very sad experience because when I went to watch the last episode, I I turned on my HBO Go and I pushed play and I'm watching. And I'm thinking, this is the crappiest way to tell this story ever. Why are they doing this? Because apparently, unbeknownst to me, I turned the episode on almost at the end. Oh, and so no. I, yeah. it started with the two of them in the hospital. Oh. And I watched it to the end. That and sucks. then I'm like, what? Oh, Where's the no. bad guy? Oh, it was horrible. Terrible. So, yeah, yeah. it's a very disappointing end no. to an already semi-disappointing end. But So, no, but I, I did, I completely, you didn't see that coming. I don't think he did either. And I think that's what... I agree. I think Elton it was very, very brave of the writer to subvert expectations. I think most people assumed that he would die. And so I yeah. think yeah. To, to keep him alive is, and certainly to keep him alive and then give a quote unquote hopeful. happy or hopeful ending yeah. was yeah. not expected at all. And, and I think that the, the reason that happened was not because of necessarily the journey that he went through, but the, the result that came of it. Yeah. One of the things that I think HBO does that even as much as it pains me to say it and Chris, I know you'll probably disagree, is that when you have a show that releases week by week, it's able to become part of the cultural conversation. I mean, this yeah. show already has websites on it. It already mm -hmm. has theories mm -hmm. that are about from week to week to week. And whereas like a Netflix model where they give you everything at once, you love it or you hate it or you're somewhere in between, but there's not well, the same. There's not yeah, the it, same. And so I think that in this instance, it works. It works better. And it's interesting me, for us because the four of us all watched this within like the last what? Or the three of us anyway, at least watched it within the last week to 10 days. And so mm -hmm. that never played a part into our viewing experience where I it have lots of friends me. that did. Yeah, I was going to say I did. That, that was one of the reasons why I think I really, really enjoyed this. And, and maybe just because Josh maybe already it has familiar with all these philosophical points and all this stuff. For me, at the end of every episode, I'd go, just like I did with Lost, yeah. I would go online and actually go to the boards and like read about theories. I'd read about, you know, philosophical. Like, this is from this book from the turn of the century. Uh, there was a part of this. Uh, what was it, Josh? Do you know King. what I'm talking about? The Yellow, the Yellow King. King. And But what was the Robert what, Chambers. So many fascinating things and theories and, and that was it was like I said before the plot wasn't nearly as interesting as what was kind of going on in the fringes with uh, characters as well as like uh, philosophical ideas and all this awesome stuff now another thing that came with that is people began to get an idea of maybe what was going on and kind of start to not spoil because they didn't really know but like get different theories and I think the ending of it was spoiled for me because a lot of them were right. I feel like this isn't nearly as as kind of trying to hide it as Lost was that they were just kind of out there and like showing. So like after that, the episode, I think episode number two or maybe episode number three, they talked about the the lawn care guy who right. was in that episode with, you know, the uh, would look like to be a beard. But they're like, well, maybe that, that's actually covering scars. And we think that is the guy. We think that's the uh, the the um, the green eared man, and I was that's like, "That's why you oh, don't read the internet." I agree. Exactly. I, I am one hundred percent on board with that. I don't. I would ignore. I would have ignored all of that stuff. Did you? But did you but guys the see that, that coming? I finished. I went straight online. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sure, me too. Well, okay, so then, okay, so then, then your point then is completely moot then because no, it's not. You're, yes, it is because no, what not. you're saying is no, no, no. Just because no, we opt not. out of it doesn't mean that it's not a great point of engagement for a ton of other people. But what I'm, but what I'm saying though is, is that Chad, you watched the full thing and then went online and talked about it, right? Correct. And saw. Uh, so the same thing can be done. My point everybody. is that from a week to week basis, you had people constructing theories and taking screenshots yep. and, and I, doing all this stuff from week to week that cannot be done when you have a show totally, that is all released. So my exactly. point is that I think this model is better and Netflix no, should no, no, do no, it the no, other no. way. That's no, my point. No, 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 no. I think you're completely wrong. I think here's the deal. <laughs> I think, you're I think for show, <laughs> I think for a show like this, you are completely correct that a show like this where you're trying to build a world and you're trying to build a mystery, that makes a lot of sense. But for House of Cards, House of Cards is a drama. House of Cards, you can there there is no mystery that you're trying to, That's uh, not true, to unfurl and unfair. Yes, it House is. of Cards has tons of cliffhanger moments, tons of oh my gosh, no, I gotta watch the yeah, next but it's one. Not, not like, like you have this. To freeze not stuff. like this. This this is a different experience. And, so, and I do I fully agree. So what agree you're with saying you. is that people only engage on this kind of thing, on this specific trope. That's not true. 
true. And people a engage. People engage things how they engage it. If it speaks I, to no, them, it speaks no, to I, them. I disagree. If 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 it's a if it's I think different genres will do better when different kinds of distribution models. And I think that I, I totally agree with you. A, a a a tiered approach to a mystery where you're wanting to build a a community of people to talk about what's going to happen next week. Of course, you're going to have to do it this way. And I and the the from the outset, they know that's what they're going to do, though. With Netflix, from the outset, they know they're going to release them all at once. So you've got two completely different animals, and that's okay. They both work, and they're both valid. One's not necessarily better than the other. I just think that the Netflix model is not invalid because it is started that way, and it executes very well. I feel like the same can be said here. They know that they're going to go week to week. They understand that they're going to build mystery in, and they do a really good job of that. And in the community you know, they, they got on board and I, I think it was great. I loved, like I said, I went on line every single episode sure. and I loved that. Well, it was I, great. I completely disagree, but it is, it is interesting. <laughs> I'm going to say point Chris on this one. Sure. Well, he's passionate about it, but he's passionately yeah, he definitely wrong. Definitely has a lot. <laughs> here's, here's the thing too, though, that we should also say, I don't think we have is that this show is actually written as an anthology. So the next season yep. of true detective will not have the same characters. It's a totally different set. Well, of, yeah. McConaughey's already said he won't be back. Yeah. And I don't think he should be. I, I think this is a great story, and I think we're done. I, I, I'm ready to move on with uh, this idea. I don't know. Really? There, there, Cole has loose ends in his story. For real? Well, there's he loose ends loose all end. over the whole and, story. Well, so you never know. May, maybe that character could be back. You know, just like, um, uh, what is it? American Horror Story. You know, they, they kind of have a, a, a similar, yeah, almost like a troupe uh, that they, they do different stories every season, completely different characters, but they're the same kind of actors. So I don't know. We'll see well, what they do with this. The writer of the series has, he's only, the only other thing he's known for writing is a, uh, is a novel. And he's actually said that he's retained the rights to Cole, uh, or to the character, both of the characters in here so that you may see them again one day, maybe in a novel or something like that, which would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit though, with all of the, with all of the theory generating and mystery building? Because absolutely not, it was intentional. Well, but Sorry, it, go ahead. Well, I know it was intentional, but if you go online now, there's so much hate for like the ending and like the letdown of of what people were hoping. You know, the characters would have more tie into to the. Haters gonna the, hate. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Okay. Every every single the people that seem to find the same thing about Lost. It's about the freaking journey. People enjoy okay, it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just asking your opinion. Well, like, I cannot I believe I cannot that. believe that me and Josh are the ones who are agreeing on this. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's true. I definitely agree that you know if something is 90% amazing and 10% not as amazing, it doesn't invalidate the whole thing. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. But it also doesn't give it a free pass. If you've what? got to nail the landing, breaking bad nailed the landing. And in my opinion, this move, this, this, I call it a movie cause it's like an eight hour movie. <laughs> it, right. is. it didn't fully nail the landing in my opinion. I agree. Well, I, so, I disagree. So, the, I so disagree. the question is if it's an anthology, can they nail the landing with the next set of characters digging into the conspiracy behind all this? Well, is it going to be the same be the landing for those crimes or a different series of crimes? No, no, no. They, they've, already, they've already said it's going to be about crimes in um, the mass transportation. Oh, okay. Uh, it's two women on the West Coast. It will be about, it will be about hard women and... Sorry. <laughs> right, let me just see here. I just read it on the... The next season of True Detective will be about hard women, bad men, and the secret occult history of the United States transportation system. Yeah. That is what it will be about. Well, we, but, we really haven't gotten into the Yellow King yet. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, what do you think about all that Yellow King stuff and Carcosa stuff? Like, do you think that added to the story or do you think that just made, like, the fans of that specific author and book or whatever? I mean, obviously they loved it, but for the rest of us who don't have any context of that... Did it add to the story? Because I feel like it was uh, just kind of added in there and it didn't really. See, and this is the problem is that you guys, you guys ate this all at once and I didn't. <clears throat> so, I mean, that, that's the thing is, is that like I delved into that and it, it made this yeah. world much deeper. Okay, but, but, was the pay, but did you like the payoff? Because it really yeah. made no difference. It really wasn't. It was just. No, yeah, it, I, it, it did make a difference because it made that the, 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 what this guy was doing seem like 
a real thing rather than just being like, oh, this is a serial killer. Yeah, but Chris, that it's not a problem. I don't have to, I don't need to go read or research to enjoy a standalone piece of work. It has to stand on its own. And yeah. now if, if the sure. world is, sure. if the world is fleshed out with things like that, then it's, then all the more, that's great. But okay. I didn't, I didn't necessarily, this was also part of the, maybe the minor disappointment is that mm-hmm. there were, there were myriad loose ends that weren't tied up throughout this whole thing. And I don't think you have to tie them all up, but there are some bigger kinds of things that I think it would have had a stronger resolution there if it were are, a little more original. Yeah. If there it were are, a little yeah, more amazing, original. There are amazing, amazing examples in literature that don't spell everything out. That I, don't that's not have what I said. I did, <laughs> that has nothing. I don't yeah, want no, it, it spelled out at all. My point is that to me personally, it would have felt, it felt very, very, I've seen this before. Okay. It's a crazy redneck that is exactly. you know, sleeping with his sister and he has his dead or almost dead and there's dad broken tied dolls up and there's all over. broken dolls and books stacked up in the corner and he lives in a cornfield and he's really super strong. I've seen that a thousand <laughs> times. And exactly. I, I understand that that's not the point. I understand that it's about the journey, but if it's, if it's the finale and you've set us up to think that it's going to be something original and the characters are so original, it just, it felt like a little, and you know, maybe that's the point. Maybe it's just like, yeah, this is kind of like what it is. So for me, it was just a little bit of a letdown. I was thinking like, well, is this it really? So well, we, we kind of got a little bit far afield of what Melody originally asked. And I, I think she has a good point there. I Before I had seen episode one of True Detective, I had I read this whole big article on io9 about um, the Yellow King and about the literary background of True Detective. So th- And that's one of the things that interested me about it in the first place was that it had these unique references to this weird fiction, you know, the guy who influenced Lovecraft and Cthulhu and all this nonsense. And so, so that was an interesting, a a draw for me. And I will say that it, it got to be kind of a letdown when it was, it, it turned out to be nothing more than references. Like I read the analysis of how, you know, the Yellow King, since we're in the spoiler section, and this is the reference, the Yellow King is this play within a book that whenever any character in the book reads this play um, past the first act, they go insane. And so the reference is that, A, they talk about the Yellow King and Carcosa, which is his mythical realm all the time, but also that the color yellow, much like the color red in The Sixth Sense, had to do with death. The color yellow in this show has to do with insanity. And Cole's apartment has kind of yellow tinges to it and every time we see um, something around the fringe it's yellow but that that never goes past the point of of fan service it never it never becomes a part of the story itself aside from everyone is mentioning this character and this play and I I did kind of want to see more from that when I first saw Cole in the present day in his interrogation He's all wild-haired and um, hammered, mm-hmm. and his eyes are sunken. It's like something has happened to this guy, and he's had this brush with, to put it in Nietzsche terms for the rest of the show, he's had this brush with the abyss, and we're going to find out more about that. And we never did, and that, that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and that's what, that was what I was you know, suggesting when I was saying that it, it doesn't get you off the hook to say, well, it's just about their story. It's just about their journey, right? Because you're still, their journey is focused around this singular investigation that drives the whole story. And so I think there are elements to it that they suggest have bigger import, but they don't. And so it was just, again, mm-hmm. a minor disappointment because the right, acting right, totally. is stellar. And let me say, everyone needs I to watch it still. Love, I love the framework this you know this back and forth between seeing seeing 1995 through the lens of an interrogation in 2012 talking about the event that happened in 2002 it's it was great the construct of this thing is is just rock solid mm-hmm. yeah i felt like they did a pretty good job of keeping me engaged excited wanting to know what in the world is going on i agree that maybe ne- that, that, that the that it ended differently than I was expecting it to be, but I still felt like that last scene gave me some kind of a, a raise my eyebrow, like, wow, okay. I did not see the character going from where he was at the beginning, where he wanted to die, but didn't have the, uh, constitution, the for constitution to kill himself or whatever. And to the end of, you know, seeing a little bit like, well, maybe the light's winning. So for me, I don't know. I, I just, it made me, really enjoy it and I felt like it was a worthy 
a worthy show and I can't wait to see what they do with season two and going forward. And that's one thing we definitely it just, agree on. It was a on, surprise. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that moment was earned. I, I really do. I really do. Giving they, him they, a, a semi-religious near-death experience was, yeah. was ballsy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, but but it, and it didn't feel cheesy. I anyway, and, and, and yeah, they earned when it. When I was watching it, I felt like it was it was it was a good way to end the series. Yep. So next up on the screeners, why two men can only have a friendship talking about philosophy and not about their personal lives, and why Cole <laughs> should have spent more time with Maggie before two thousand two because those were his only humanizing moments. Again, uh, next time on the screeners. <laughs> awesome. All right. The cutting room floor. And for this week's version of The Cutting Room Floor, we take our third trip back to Flickchart to create our top 20 list of all-time best films. Right now, our top movie of all time is Back to the Future. And yes. <laughs> hopefully we'll see if we can uh, make a little progress. So the way this works is one movie enters and it is against another movie. We decide which one is better. If it's a 2-2 tie, we pass. And if it's 3-1, to one, one wins. If you haven't seen the movie josh then yes. the vote goes down to two to one so here we go are you ready for the first one guys i'm just excited about a, i'm excited about a two-two vote is, is that like something you wear it'll <laughs> be here wah, all week wah, wah. <laughs> all week all right the first movie is the prestige versus braveheart oh braveheart <laughs> melody um braveheart josh which one of these have you not seen does it count if I fell asleep during Braveheart? Oh, it was oh. crap. What? Yes. Braveheart is it, it better. It still counts? All right, the prestige wins. Oh, oh my gosh. Because I have seen both of those in air quotes. The prestige is not a bad film. No, it's, it's not. Braveheart it's is Braveheart. Not Braveheart is better. All right, next we have the classic Spaceballs 1987 versus The Butterfly Effect. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> oh, space balls. Are you kidding me? I don't get to vote because of the butterfly effect. Space balls. I totally vote for space balls. Have you guys seen the butterfly effect? Ashton yes. Kutcher. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's to- terrible. Space balls it is. Next, yes. we have Legally Blonde, the first one from 2001, versus the original Men in Black. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Melody? <laughs> I'm going to go with Men in Black. Chris? Quality entertainment. You know, I think... Do it. Do it, Chris. Do it. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with... No, Men in Black. I, uh, <laughs> I was about to... Josh, cry. have you seen either of these? I have interesting memories about Legally Blonde. I don't I don't think I made it through the whole thing. Um, I did see Men in Black, and I would vote for that if my vote were valid. Okay. Well, does it, it matter? Yeah, it, it's Men no, in Black. Although Legally Blonde, the first one's actually... I think, it is. Pretty it's good. actually... I genuinely was... I, I do, I do have fond memories of it. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. We, next, we have The Incredible Hulk from 2008 versus Is that, Big that's Fish. It. We'll just keep going in the same order. Melody? Jeez. I think I kind of hated Big Fish. <laughs> I kind I of think. agree with you. So I'm going to go with The Incredible Hulk. And and so will I. Incredible Hulk. I hated Big Fish. Josh? Big fish all the way. I know you, you like jerks. that. I know you like you that. I remember that now. I, I, I rather enjoyed the novel Big Fish, but the movie adaptation was terrible. And I hate it wasn't as good as the book. And, yeah, because that's yeah, that's my criteria. Uh, oh my I hate the Incredible Hulk, though. Uh, um, yeah. No. I, I, did you like the Ang Lee version better than this one? I did. I sure did. And really? I'm not ashamed no. to say it. I'm not ashamed really? to say it. No. It was better. Um, yeah, but Big Fish let you down more, didn't it? So you should vote for Incredible Hulk. No, I, I hated Big <laughs> no, Fish. No, you should make it a tie. Yeah, it's Incredible Hulk. I hate to do oh, it. Yep, got done. To. All right, this next one is the recently minted Best Director of the Year, Alfonso Cuaron, Children of Men uh, versus mm. E.T., the extra Oh, my gosh. Here oh. we go. How are you going to do that? Versus your Chris is going to have a hard time. Oh. Melody, what do you think? I will go with Children of Men because I really loved that film and I don't have the E.T. affinity that some people have. So, Children of Men. Chris. Uh, skip me. Skip me. <laughs> All right, Josh. I didn't like either of those movies. You're so Everyone's heard things now. What? I, I just, I didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, just pick one. <laughs> Children oh. of Men. Oh, no. wow. Yay. The 
answer is ET. ET is better than Children of Men. Are you telling me I have to break the tie? Nostalgia wins every day. Children of Men. No, Children of Men is overrated in my opinion. It's not as good as everybody says. Wait a minute. I got a question. So if I go, I agree with that. If I if I if I vote ET, then it's tied. If I vote Children of Men, it wins. That's correct. Come on, Chris, don't do it. Just do Children of Men. Children of Men is overrated. Neither one is any good. Children of Men is overrated. So if, I got a question. If, if I do, if I say ET, then do, do we just not vote on these two? No, then we have to duke the, it out. Or all right, all right, Children of Men. Oh, <laughs> that's a Wait, bad no, decision. Boo. That's a bad decision. Josh, it don't say right boo. Decision. Don't say boo. You contributed to that. You voted for Children of Men. Shame on you. Tie though. No ties. All right, Children next, next oh, that's overrated. <laughs> next we have just like gravity. Next we have <laughs> oh. Big Fish from 2003 versus A Beautiful Mind. Oh, the Ron um, Howard film. Uh, Melody, what do you think? A Beautiful Mind. I still hate Big Fish. Yep. Beautiful Chris. Mind. Still hate Big Fish. <laughs> Joshua. Ah. Um, love you love a beautiful mind. I like a beautiful mind, but my hatred for Russell Crowe is so strong. Oh come no. on! A beautiful mind, a beautiful yeah. mind. It's better. It is definitely better. <laughs> Next, we have the original Best Picture winner from 1976, Rocky, versus Chris's favorite movie of all time, Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> yes. So, Melody, this is finally the moment one? I've been waiting for. It. Oh, for the audience, I have no insight into what these movies are on chat screen. That's right. He called it, folks. Melody, which one is it? Oh, man. Are you even Rocky? having to think about this? Yes. Are you I having have, to think? Oh, I have seen Rocky, and my know. vote is Rocky. You better Thank vote you. the right way. I will resign from this podcast. <laughs> Chris? Oh, come on. It's Rocky. All There's right. No, All Rocky. right. My faith is restored. Joshua? I haven't seen Rocky. Just keep going. You weirdo. Yeah, it's Rocky. <laughs> Rocky's a great movie. Yeah, All right. Movie. Next, we have 1997's Face Off versus yes. Ratatouille Seriously? from Pixar. Yes. <laughs> Chris, oh, or they, I'm sorry, Melody. Melody, what do you that think? That is not even a nice one because oh, so I easy. have a love for both of those films. Oh, that's sad. Well, shut up. Okay. Face, face Off. I have very fond memories of watching that film. Were you guys okay. like dating or something back then? She was bonding then? with Chris. Like on a date yeah. or something? Dating. That's what it had to be. It's not. All right. The Cuddled answer... up next to him on the couch when he cut his face off. <laughs> I think his face. Oh. And that movie is great. Stop it's a good it. Movie. It's not but good. my answer is Ratatouille. Okay. Chris? Um, oh, Lord. Josh? <laughs> I don't think I ever saw a face off all the way. Don't worry about it at all. Yeah, I, I won't. I'm don't worry asleep. about it. Come on. You saw face off. We watched it together. Classic Did we? Was yeah, that man. somewhere around the time you made me sit through six seasons of Alias too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you love every you second of it. it. Don't yeah. you lie. Yeah. Don't you let's, lie. Let's let the record show that. I loved Alias. You did actually enjoy <laughs> Alias quite a bit. The first, amazing. Two, the first two seasons of Alias are great. Indeed. All right, um, Chris. <sighs> Oh, Ratatouille. Quit, quit Ratatouille. Like this is a, a choice. It's Ratatouille. Ratatouille is a better movie. Yes. All right. Another one in Chris's wheelhouse: National Treasure from 2004 <laughs> versus Twelve Monkeys. And Melody. Um, I mean, I, I don't remember Twelve Monkeys that well, but I remember that I liked it. National Treasure is fun but goofy. Oh, I guess I'll go with National Treasure <laughs> since I didn't vote for Nicolas Cage in face. Chris. Yes, yes, Chris. Don't we do get this. Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> oh, finally, no. Twelve Angry Monkeys is uh, twelve Angry, 12 angry monkeys. monkeys. Is that like Twelve it's Angry Men except with monkeys? Someone had to say Twelve Angry Monkeys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just Twelve Angry Men just kind of yeah. <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Um, twelve Monkeys, I think, is is a better film. I really like that movie a lot. Um, so okay, Twelve Monkeys, Josh. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> okay, it's 12 monkeys. All right, so for these next few here, I'm actually going to take us into that. What we've been sorting through at this point has been all movies. But what we're going to do now is go through all the movies, movies that Josh we have ranked so that we can try and get a little bit of um, mm. uh, whittled it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to go with our top 50. So after after this round, Mighty Ducks is going to be back on top. It's very possible. <laughs> I hope with so. The, with Mighty the feral clan over there, we're, we're always risking getting voted out. Oh hi! All right. So Don't the the, the choice is the Patriot versus the Sixth Sense. Ooh. Melody. Oh, wow. 
Um, the Sixth Sense. Okay, Chris. Sixth Sense. Josh. I've not seen the Patriot. Okay, Sixth Sense. It is. Next, we have The Ring from 2002 versus Training Day. Melody. Huh. Um, I didn't like Training Day, so I'll go with The Ring. What? Chris. I didn't like it. Training Day. Mmm. We're split. Wish I could vote. Haven't seen The Ring. The answer is The Ring. It's one of the best horror movies uh, in the last 15 years. It's really great. I never liked The Ring. I could not get into that. It's great. I think see it in the theater. Yeah. I think Training Day is also excellent, though. Little (laughs) Miss Sunshine versus Total Recall. Little Miss Sunshine. Seriously? The original Total Recall? The original Total Recall from 1990. Yeah classic little miss sunshine little miss sunshine chris i love it i'm gonna go with total recall Ooh, josh i haven't seen total recall you haven't seen total recall no i haven't not one of them the answer by a large margin is little miss little miss sunshine great movie great movie all right our last five are going to be in our top 20 from within our does that mean i've seen any of them i hope so (laughs) maybe maybe not (laughs) The fact that well, the two movies I'm about to say will tell you the state of our top 20. Uh, <laughs> the Mighty Ducks <laughs> versus Knocked Up. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, people. That's what I said. That's awesome. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, I'm going to go with Knocked Up. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so am I Knocked Up, definitely. Josh? Can I vote just because I've seen clips of the Mighty Ducks in the dentist's office? Sure. In the dentist's office? Knocked up. Yeah, it's knocked up. I own it on HD DVD. Woo! So do we. Next is V for Vendetta from 2006 versus the original Terminator from 1984. Melody. Mm. Mm. There is no thought here. Terminator, please. Mm-hmm. Chris? Uh, Terminator. Josh, this ep- this uh, segment makes me doubt my worth as a human being. I agree. <laughs> I, seen I agree with that. <clears throat> the Terminator, it is. All right, three more. Next, we have the Shawshank. Re- oh, this hurts my heart, folks. The Shawshank Redemption versus Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, oh this is so easy. No, it is no, not. It's not. All oh, right, Melody. It's not. Why is it to me first? Oh, okay. I have to say Pan's Labyrinth. Shawshank. Josh. No doubt Shawshank. Oh. Come, guys. you got to tell me how you vote so I can decide <laughs> no. which way I'm going to tip um, this. Um, <laughs> Shawshank. Oh, man. Guys. I, I have such different recollections of both of them, such different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, they are different movies. Uh, Shawshank. Uh, Bad. (laughs) Tiebreaker. Listen, the the Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies of all time because it's just, it feels good to watch that movie. It's one of the best. It is one of the very, best. It's I love a masterpiece Labyrinth. crafted expertly, and so it is a better film, and the answer is Pan's Labyrinth. So now what do we have to do? Now we have to like, take it out. Josh, yeah. come on. Josh. Wait, so what we have to do now is one of us has to change our vote? Uh-huh. I don't I don't have any way, since we've all seen these, I don't have any way to skip. I can undo this one, and mm-hmm. we can go to two different ones, or we have to duke it out. Josh. I guess it depends on what your criteria is, if it's your favorite or what you think is... There is Better. no way that I will ever change. I, Pan's Labyrinth was okay, but I did no. not. I did not, not ever a, have the. Just for not, that, I'm changing not, my vote to Pan's Labyrinth. Bam! Yay. Bam! Victory! I knew Chris would shoot himself. The, in the Shawshank foot. Redemption? Are you kidding me, guys? The Shawshank Redemption is great. What have we and done? It is a great story. What have we great done? Story. Shawshank but Redemption is amazing. You're right. No. Pan's Labyrinth. It's due. That's right. Yep. it was okay fail well, I can't have my own opinion you can it just costs <laughs> you yeah, you can it just this has the price you pay has yeah. thanks Look, and I love me some Stephen King but it's 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 mm-hmm. not, not there alright two more uh, we have the original V for Vendetta versus the newly top 20 love actually uh, <laughs> oh gosh our list is so sad folks I'm so sorry it hasn't changed I, still, I haven't seen Love Actually between now and two minutes ago right. but we have so Melody I I oh, 
Huh. We know I'm going to say love. Burning. I'm going to say love actually. <laughs> Anything but love actually. <laughs> You're so dumb. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. Um, I'm going to have to go love actually on that one, buddy. Yeah, you are. Oh my gosh. All right. And now we have the Patriot versus the Terminator, the original Terminator. Melody? Well, I'm probably going to get outvoted, but I'm going to go with the Patriot. Okay. Chris? <laughs> the Terminator. All right. Josh. And I'll see everyone on the next episode of the screen. <laughs> the answer is the Terminator, of course. All right. And just because this movie needs to be defeated, this will be our last one. The Mighty Ducks versus <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, that's an easy one. Yeah, Little let me Miss just Sunshine. go ahead and put that one in there. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say The Mighty Ducks. No, you that's won't. okay. It's three to one. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, we're sorry about that. If you... Uh, agree or disagree with that. our choices just um let us know and we'll cry <laughs> listen to our top listen to our top 10 back to the future now let me go back let me go reverse you know number, what listen number if 10. you're listening i'm sorry if you're listening you guys know how great face-off is let us know how great you thought face-off is and how much you yeah, thought please passion. let us yeah. know how awesome face-off <laughs> is we look forward to not please. getting any of those emails <laughs> <laughs> and also that pan's live with it was highly overrated oh so. good luck with that I just, do not think like that word means men. what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, number 10 is the Terminator. Number 9 is Crash. <laughs> <laughs> just Can read, Josh. Just Can read. We? Number, oh. number 8 is the Shawshank Redemption. That's number good. 7 is Pan's Labyrinth. Oh. Number 6, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Get them out of there. Knocked down. Number 5 is Little Miss Sunshine. Number 4 is Knocked Up. Number three is A Bug's Life. <laughs> what? Number two is Up in the Air. And number one is Back to the Future. We suck, folks. And that wow. is all. Thank you and really? goodbye. All right, guys. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Screeners Podcast. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you want to talk about something you heard on the show or if there's something you didn't hear that you wish you had, just drop us a line. No matter how you're used to talking to people online, there's a good chance you can get a hold of us that way, too. On Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast. You can tweet us at ScreenersCast. Send us an email, ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Or you can just leave us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com. Where you can also read up on the things we mentioned in the episode and send us ideas for future topics. And as always, if you like what you hear, help us spread the word by leaving some love in an iTunes review. We'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.